Right now, the United States is more divided than it's ever been. People are at each other's throats. Left, right, blue, red. It's not about having the right answers. It's about asking the right questions. Welcome to Into the Quagmire Podcast. Two very different men respectfully having the difficult discussions and debates that many are not willing to have. But that's what we need to help bring the United States back to its roots, bring people together, realizing that different opinions aren't just okay, but it's a great thing. This is Into the Quagmire, and here are your hosts, Artie Manfredi and Ryan Melton. Hey everybody, welcome to Into the Quagmire podcast this morning. Today we're going to talk about uh, kind of one of the hot topics going on in the world right now, which is cryptocurrency and what the heck is going on this uh this weekend one of the uh kind of funniest cryptocurrencies dogecoin jumped from four cents to 40 cents i think maybe even higher than that um so we if you if you own some dogecoin which is apparently a elite way of saying dog <laughs> you had some dog coin <laughs> Your your dog coin ten uh, x this weekend, so hopefully you put your life savings into dog coin, and you would be a very happy person. <laughs> there you go. Did you, have, did you have any dog coin, Artie? I do not have any cryptocurrency. Um, to be honest, I don't have it because I don't understand it. To me, it just seems like internet monopoly money. Like we just we just made a new monetary system. Or we just made up a new commodity, and we want to you to put your money here, and we and you'll get returns. It just I don't invest in anything I don't understand, and to me, this just seems so far fetched. And like, I don't know. I was always raised with the principle, right? If it's too good to be, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And I, I don't know. This just this whole thing just makes me a little uneasy. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it, and kind of get your insights. And do you own any Dogecoin or Bitcoin or anything? I don't have any Dogecoin or Bitcoin or Ethereum. Those are kind of the three. I would say the three hottest coins right now. Um, there are hundreds of other options because, Seriously? like you said, yeah, these there, there's nothing that keeps you from creating Artie Coin. I mean, done. Let's you do could, it. You could, and you could even use the Bitcoin source code. The Bitcoin source code is open source. You could download that, t- rename Bitcoin with Artie Coin, hit go, and you could have an Artie Coin. I like so it. Sh- For all my office really fans, it'd be like that. like Shroot Bucks. <laughs> For all my office fans out there. <laughs> I don't watch The Office. I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds awesome. It is awesome. Um, so that's that's that is the kind of the scary thing. Is like seriously, anyone can create one of these. Now the difference is it's 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 networking effects. Just just like anyone could create a Facebook. Facebook is like little text messages in boxes and sometimes some pictures in a in a stream. Right at at the core of that's what Facebook is. Anyone could make. I could make Ryan Book right now. I could probably crank it out in a month and have RyanBook.com. But I would have zero users. So, like, the, I think, like we've discovered with a lot of things, the secret isn't creating something interesting; it's getting the word out and getting people to care. And Bitcoin has done that, and it took them a long time. It, this this wasn't an overnight um, insanity. I mean, Bitcoin has been around. I have to go look it up. I think since like two thousand and nine, but it may have been even earlier than that. Two thousand eight. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's been around since 2008. It was created by an unknown person or group of people referred to as Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, okay. And that's why actual Bitcoins, um, the smallest divisional unit of Bitcoin is, is called the Satoshi. And that's that's named after its its creator. So there's a little Bitcoin trivia for you. Well, before we go further, um, can you explain kind of what cryptocurrency is and kind of how it started and... Kind of give us a, a baseline here, because because I I honestly I I'm I know a little bit about it, but if you were to ask me what is it, I would just say it's you know made up money online basically. So kind of what what is it? So it's best described at this point as a commodity, but it it is effectively made up money online. Now the unique aspect of Bitcoin, you have to go into a couple different technologies. You have to go into something called the blockchain. I'm sure you've heard of that. 
Yep, that's very hot topic um, right now as well. That's kind of the core fundamental um, building block of all of these cryptocurrencies as this thing is called the blockchain. So what, what a blockchain is, is it's basically like, it's also referred to as a ledger, right? It's like, at an, you know, your old school accounting book where you, you write down, Ryan it deposited $500 into the bank. Credits right? and debits. So that, it's kind of like the, the ledger. Exactly. It is it's exactly. It's credits and debits. And so what the Bitcoin ledger keeps track of is Ryan has, so only initially Ryan has mined 25 Bitcoins. So there's like Ryan got 25 Bitcoins from mining. And then everything else mining. is, uh, <laughs> I'll get there. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll explain mining in a second. But so the, the way coins are created into the world is mining. All right. And so when some coins are mined, which I'll get into the details of what that means in a minute, that gets written into the, this ledger. And it says, Ryan mined 25 Bitcoins. Cool. So now I have 25 Bitcoins. All the other entries are, Ryan transferred five Bitcoins to Artie. So it's, it's the transactions. And so from that history, I can say, okay, Ryan had 25 Bitcoins. Then Ryan transferred five Bitcoins to Artie. Therefore, yeah, I have to derive this. Therefore, Ryan has 20 Bitcoins left over and now Artie has five Bitcoins. So the blockchain is this ledger of transactions, either coins getting mined and created or coins getting transferred between uh, wallets or what they call them. They're basically bank accounts, Bitcoin accounts. So that, that's all the blockchain is. It's this big history of stuff. Now, the cool thing about it is it's a distributed history. So every miner, every person who's creating Bitcoins in the network, the Bitcoin network, has a copy of that ledger and they have the complete copy back all the way to 2008. They have the entire history of every transaction that has ever occurred on the Bitcoin network. Basically, do so you like imagine the it's a fairly of us having like a complete record of every dollar coming out of the you know, Federal Reserve, essentially? Every dollar every printed would be in there as an entry says the Federal Reserve printed a million dollars and it would say the federal reserve transferred hundred thousand dollars to bank a and then it would say bank a transferred fifty dollars to ryan right That's it would crazy have amount every of data. single it is a crazy amount of data this is one of the flaws with bitcoin <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll get into the other flaws and things i hate about this system later but that that is one of the fundamental flaws is all these miners have it to understand like i said it's and it's transactional so to know that how many bitcoins ryan has you can't have to go to back to the beginning and say, well, Ryan mined 25 Bitcoins and then he transferred five away. So therefore, Ryan has 20 Bitcoins left. So to know how much money someone has, you have to kind of search through that ledger and figure it out. It doesn't so, just give you like a balance, like your bank balance. Here's it doesn't just say Ryan's balance is 10. Your... Now you can, cat, you can cash that result for yourself and say, well, Ryan's balance is 10 and I haven't done anything. So it's still 10. I don't have to kind of recalculate that. But to get that initial calculation, you have to actually look through the whole ledger. Um, so wow. very inefficient design, right? As far as, cause it's, it's, it's all transaction history. It's not a current balance. There's no current balance in Bitcoin. It's just a ledger of transactions. And so that's one interesting aspect to be mined. And I know you're going to get back into that in, in just a minute, but that means that there's an infinite amount possible like there's an inf infinite potential of bitcoin correct or any of these there's not and this is one of the reasons why bitcoin has been successful bitcoin has a hard coded limit in the bitcoin design that there will only ever be i think it's how do i get this wrong i think it's 21 million bitcoins ever and it, so has that limit been reached no and i'll explain that too bitcoin's a lot of really interesting concepts um, built into it. Yeah, 20, there, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins ever. So okay. it's a inherently um, limited, limited asset. Limited supply. So that that's part of the reason the price keeps going up is because it is an inherently limited supply. Some of the other coins, like Dogecoin, do not have that limit. So Doge, Dogecoin will print forever. As long as people yeah. are playing with Dogecoin, there will always be more Dogecoin minted. So it is inherently inflationary. Um, so Dogecoin should become more and more worthless with time because there will always be more and it should just deflate to nothing. So I highly recommend not investing in Dogecoin. I could be totally wrong. I mean, you go. Um, but by design, it does not have some of the, it does not have the um, inherent scarcity that is built into Bitcoin with Dogecoin and several of the other coins. 
Interesting. So that's that's one unique aspect. Another unique aspect of Bitcoin is the inherent. There will only ever be twenty one million Bitcoins. That's it. That's the world supply of Bitcoin. Twenty one million. Wow. Um. So. Uh, so we talked about the ledger. That's how it keeps. And the way that that it magically works is it uses a bunch of cryptographic stuff to where all those transactions are signed cryptographically, which I'm not going to go into cryptographic signing, but it basically proves that they aren't forged. And so you have this whole non-forged thing and they're linked. So like every new entry is based on the signature of the previous entry. So you can't go back in time and inject something in the middle, even if you could like hack the cryptography and, and for one entry and try to muck with one entry in the middle, you can't because that entry is based on the previous entry. So it, it, it's, it's a chain. And it's an it's unbroken like chain. You can't security. It's a built-in kind of modification proof, um, you could call it. And this is where we get into how the signatures are created. This is where the magic is, and this is what mining is. So every time you add something to this letter, ledger, they're actually added in blocks. So it's a group of transactions gets added to the ledger all at once. And so it's a block. That's why it's the blockchain. It's a chain of blocks. But a block is a group of transactions. It's more than one. And I, I'd have to look up how many. It's a fairly small number, actually, per block. Um, but that gets chunked onto the chain. And what allows it to get chunked onto the chain is actually a, an impossible-to-solve math problem. It's impossible to solve through, like, you know, solving the math problem, like do a logical proof in college. You know, I rearrange the, you know, move the numbers around and, da, 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 and the answer is five. You, you can't do it um, because it, I don't know, cryptography magic. So what miners are doing is they're guessing and checking the answer. So you can check that your answer is right, but you can't just jump right to the right answer. So what the miners are actually doing is they have these giant random number generators and they are just random number generating like crazy. And as the random numbers are generated, they, they guess and check. They say, random number, is this the right answer? No. Random number, is this the right answer? No. Random number, is this the right answer? No. And billions of these are happening per second. Actually, probably, probably trillions or quadrillions of these guessing and checking are happening per second across the world by every Bitcoin miner, guessing random numbers, trying to solve the answer to this block to put it in the blockchain. So when it's an interesting cryptographic problem where checking your answer is very easy, but there's no way to drive what the right answer it is. So it really becomes a guess and check kind of solution. So the miner who finds the answer puts their name on that block, puts the answer on that block, and throws it on the blockchain. And that's how they claim, I, I, I mine that Bitcoin. Or I, I, I put the stuff on the blockchain, and as my reward... I get the, a certain number of Bitcoin in reward for, for guess, finding that correct answer in the, the needle in the haystack, basically. So, so you only get it if you get the answer right, but then once you have the right answer, yep. could you just continue to solve and continue to get more Bitcoins? Or nope, the because it's every, change? the answer is based on the contents. So inside that block are, you know, 100 transactions. Ryan gave five Bitcoin to Artie. Artie transferred two Bitcoin to Sarah. And so it's a bunch of transactions, and they're all, it's unique data. That, that transaction entry is unique content. And Ryan is actually this whole long digital ID for me. It's like, a, I don't know how many bits, some, some large number of bits, unique ID that is my, my identifier. And like you have an identifier too, right? So it's this, a couple big giant numbers and then the actual transaction data, but how, what transferred. And then that you take a whole bunch of those, you stack them into a block. And so that's kind of like the math problem. That block is the math problem. And then we have to kind of guess this answer to the math problem. So every block has a unique answer. That's crazy. And that's why you can't just use that same answer over and over and over again. You have to find but, the unique answer. Go ahead. But then what's, what's the value here, right? So, so like if I'm getting something for this and this thing, this thing I'm getting has value, like what value am I providing to earn this essentially now income, right? All I've done is solved a obscure math problem that really seems to have no benefit to anybody or anybody, anyone. So, what, so how does this whole thing gain value then? It's so is the thing is scarcity? solving that math problem. Well, it's scarcity, which is one thing that solving that math problem required electricity. So it wasn't free, right? You had to have some fancy computer. And actually right now you need, you can't even use general purpose computers to do this and have any chance of winning. You have to use custom built ASICs, So custom built electronics for just for mining Bitcoin um, to have any chance of winning for a while. You could use regular computers when it first started, then you could use GPUs. 
and, and be successful. Now you can't even use GPUs. Because there's more now users, you have to more buy. transactions, these blocks, you know, that these equations are much more complicated now. So this is another interesting aspect of Bitcoin. They built into the system that a block gets added to the chain every 10 minutes. So a block, so this is another flaw of Bitcoin, is transactions only clear effectively, like clear with your bank every 10 minutes. So there's this 10-minute period where you, you post a transaction and it's not actually in the ledger. It's not cleared for up to 10 minutes before it actually gets into the blockchain. Now, to solve that, what's built in and what makes it, and this is why this keeps um, using more and more electricity, is that because a block only gets added every 10 minutes, the system, the software is designed to make it harder and harder the more people are trying. So as more and more people are trying to figure out the answer to these problems, they keep cranking up the complexity. They make the answers harder and harder and more, more bits and harder to solve to where it uses more and more electricity effectively to add to the blockchain the more people are trying to mine Bitcoin. Now, that would scale down too. So if the world got tired of Bitcoin and the number of miners like, you know, went down to a tenth, it would be 10 times easier to solve. But basically, the, the odds of mining Bitcoin are completely based on the number of people who are trying to mine Bitcoin. And the, this is one of these kind of virtuous loops. As Bitcoin becomes more expensive, more people join the game because there's yeah, a bigger course. reward for mining Bitcoin. So the problem gets harder. So it requires more electricity. So your odds of winning are still very low because it, it, it's... Whoever came up with this was absolutely brilliant. Like, it is designed for this to happen. They're probably going to be a trillionaire by the time this is done because they designed this virtuous feedback loop with scarcity and I got to put in more energy to work and it's harder and harder to solve. And the, it was paranoid skied because the early miners got more coins than now the later miners. I mean, it, it was just designed brilliantly. So someone had a ton of foresight, maybe time travelers. Oh, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> so you're, you're talking, um, you're, you're talking about these miners and you got to have these super fancy computers. Are, are they just like basically writing software programs that essentially just try every answer or try to solve, try to figure this thing out or are, you know, it's, what, so what I said is, right, at this point doing? it's hardware. You have to, it's basically FPGAs except they're ASICs. They're like custom built like microprocessors that their whole design is to guess random numbers and check and try to solve Bitcoin problems. So it's just literally throwing, it's so, not even trying to solve the problem. It's just throwing random numbers out there in a quick sequence. It is throwing random numbers of a certain size at this problem and seeing, is that the right answer? No. Is that the right answer? No. Is that the right answer? No. And it just does that billions of times per second. And this is happening all over the world at, with, you know, a million miners. And whoever gets the right answer first throws it on the blockchain and claims, claims their reward. And so basically... Their signature being the one who mined this block is what, me, what that means they get X number of Bitcoins for doing that. And now that's on the ledger. Now, so you're saying this is getting more complex, but if, it's, if they're just guessing random numbers, how does the equation get more complex, right? There, there's, we, there's infinite numbers, whether it's a easy equation or not. And if I'm just guessing random numbers, so how does that? I have not complexity? looked into the exact details. My guess is that the numbers are bigger. Okay. So the, the solution space gets larger with the number of miners. Because they're basically starting from zero like, and running Well, they're not the just going basically. linearly now. Okay. Now, if everybody was doing that, then everyone would find the answer at the same time, right? They're just guessing. Well, yeah. in, in, the, in the realm of zero to a million, let's pretend that's way, way, way smaller than the realm of answers. They're just guessing randomly in that realm of potential answers and trying to find the one that matches. Got it. Interesting. So... So that's, that's, that's an aspect. So right now, if you, if you mine a block of Bitcoins, you get 6.25 Bitcoins. And, but that is, there's been several halvings. So th that before now that it was 13, before that it was 26, before that it was 52, before that it was 104 or whatever. So you used to get a lot more Bitcoins for mining a block, but every, I think it's every five ish, three or four or five years, it halves. So the reward that this is kind of how you, they're slowly getting to that 21 million max. Rather than, um, you know, quickly. Right now, if you mine a big a set of bitcoins, you get six, six point two five bitcoins. Got it. So, so that means they're giving out, you know, a little bit over a hundred per day right now. And where where do we know? And where then the after is that, like outstanding. Uh, we do, and it's 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 pretty high. Um, 
I think it's like eight, 18 million. Bitcoin's outstanding. 18.686500 Bitcoins. So we're close. Yeah, but the thing is it's slowed down now, right? So I said early on, you got like 100 Bitcoins for mining a block. Now we're down to only six. So it's slowing down as it's approaching but, its but finite it's six point. six every 10 minutes, right? So I mean that, that I think that I mean that's got it. If it's going to go quick, I mean I guess to your point, it's going to continue to get slower and slower and slower. It continues I, to get it, slower and slower. So as as the total amount left over gets left, it it halves and halves and halves. So it it it. it 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 pulls it out for for quite a while at the end because it's you're getting less rewards. Yep. And that only makes sense for everyone who's doing it right now to keep mining, if the value of Bitcoin keeps exploding. Yep. At some point. It's going to be like, dude, I'm spending more money on electricity than I'm getting in return for actually successfully guessing the numbers super rarely. So, um, so like, what would someone who's like a Bitcoin miner, what, what would they be spending on electricity? Like, just like, wh what is their real cost in this? It is a lot. Um, is it? Yeah. Cost to mine. There are calculators online about the cost to mine. It's basically, unless you live somewhere that has like, hydropower or something where you've got a fairly infinite source of power so the, the electricity is fairly cheap there are areas in the world where they have like hydro plants that's one of the most efficient ways of producing electricity because it's just a river that's free and checking out electricity basically um those places can be very successful or places where the government is subsidizing your power like places in china china owns a most of the bitcoin mining i think at this point um, that's where you can still be successful and still make a profit mining Bitcoin. Got it. Um, I, I so an article written. Okay. I was going to say, I don't have any. So an article written. A, got, go ahead. Um, so in 2020, the Bitcoin network was consuming 120 gigawatts per second. So that's 63 terawatts of electricity per year. Um, it is an insane amount of electricity. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at that same article, and what it references is, is that would take 49,440 wind turbines to create that much power. That's staggering. Yeah. It is insane how much money is being spent on electricity to keep Bitcoin going. Like I said, it would keep going if everyone stopped caring. And so if everyone stopped mining, it, it would reduce the complexity it would make itself continue to live with, with less miners. Um, but because the price keeps going up, people are going to keep doing it because they're making money. But only places where there's cheap electricity. Like I said, the price of electricity is directly correlated with whether you can actually make money mining Bitcoin or not. So if you live in some place like, like California with super expensive peak hours and things of electricity, you could never make money uh, mining Bitcoin. So, so what's going to happen when they run out of Bitcoin, right? When they hit that 21 million cap, right? There's no longer an advantage to mine it. So mining will stop. Does it lose its sexiness? Does it okay. just start so kind of slowly devaluing? There, there, there's another aspect I didn't mention. So there is a transaction fee. So on top of getting, um, on top of getting the coins for mining a block, you also get paid um, a transaction fee amount of Bitcoins. And so the people submitting... Um, the transactions to get into each block are actually, there's kind of an auction system to it. So you can say, I will pay this much Bitcoin to get my transaction into the next block. And that Bitcoin goes to the miner who, who completes the block. So there's, there is this transaction fee concept that's built into it too. So even when all the Bitcoins have been mined, the idea then is that people will be paying transaction fees to keep the system going. The insanity of this is those transaction fees are going to be huge. They're already huge. It already costs, I mean, I haven't looked recently. It was it was like $10 <laughs> per transaction or something to get on the blockchain. So like this is this can never by design ever replace credit cards or anything like that unless you're okay with buying a pack of gum and getting charged a $10 transaction fee. Got it. Which I'm not, so, but... Nope. <laughs> Maybe you that are. Seems I don't like know. a terrible idea. <laughs> 
so what's the benefit? Like, why are people are, are people just investing in in these cryptocurrencies because it's trendy and, and and exciting? I mean, it to me, it just it it seems like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I got to be honest. Like, it, it doesn't it, seem like this it is. is it is one hundred percent speculative speculative bubble investing. Um, there's a there's a, a a thing called the greater fool theory. It's a it's a game theory plan where basically you're always betting that somebody else is stupid enough to keep buying after you and that you can sell before they, before it dumps. Right. So you're hoping there's a greater fool who's going to get left holding the bag and you can just ride this bubble. For so a while. basically we this can. is just at I mean, some point all just going to come crashing down. Oh yeah. Awesome. That's comforting. This is with Fresh. Bitcoin. Now, now there, there are other alternate coins that have much better designs. Bitcoin is as far as I can tell designed to be a pyramid scheme bubble. Um, so basically at some point, the, all the these guys thing, who invested early is just going to, there's going to be a giant sell off. Everyone's going to cash in. And then those who, who bought in late are going to end up selling late and they're going to be stuck hold, holding their Bitcoins that are now worthless. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's, this is another interesting aspect. There's all kinds of different theories. Like no one knows who created this. The guy who created this is known as Satoshi Nakamoto or whatever, but he's effectively anonymous because no one knows who that is. Um, or if it's even a single person or if it's a group of people. All of the, the original Bitcoins mined by that person are just sitting there. They have sat there since 2008. They have been involved in no transactions. They have just sat. So that person would be one of the richest people in the world right now if they, announced, if they started making transactions, if they started using the Bitcoins. Well, what's interesting too, I just saw an article, I think it was two weeks ago, that there's a guy who's got like a billion dollars in Bitcoins that he can't access because he lost his password. <laughs> Like well, this is the other he, thing. The Bitcoin wallets are cryptographically locked. They're encrypted. And so to unlock them and use them, you have to know the password. If you don't know the password, that money is worthless. So it is estimated that at least 25% of all Bitcoins, so of that 18 million that are out there, probably about four-ish million, are forever lost because people have lost the password or they've been on hard drives that crashed or whatever. They're just gone so what happens like i mean this guy's got a, mil a billion dollars sitting there and he can't he that's it he's screwed yep. it's worth you can't make any if you don't if you can't unlock that account you cannot make transactions the money is just there's no on like that ledger forgot as, password option you can't no no it's just an encrypted file on your hard drive so if you do not know the password to unencrypt that file too bad for you. Oh, and it's so it's stored. It's not even stored like in their system on the cloud. It's on my hard drive. Okay, so this is another aspect of Bitcoin. Normally, the, the design is it's a wallet. It's a digital wallet, which is basically just a file on my hard drive that's encrypted. All these different um, uh, Bitcoin um, uh, what, exchange services. So like Coinbase is one of the biggest US-based ones right now. Um, it's this place where you can go on and create an account and you can buy, you can trade some US dollars for Bitcoin. What they're doing is they have that file on their server and they're basically managing it for you. That's what these online exchange do. Got it. Now, this is why the online exchanges getting hacked is super bad. So there was a, one of the earlier Bitcoin exchange was one called Mt. Gox. And it actually stood for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. So it was some kind of oh, like something on. to do with the Magic the Gathering. It totally, it was something to do with the Magic <laughs> the Gathering card game. Um, and they and they pivoted, this this little Magic the Gathering uh, part, card game uh, startup pivoted into cryptocurrency. And they just left it called Mt. Gox because it's kind of a funny name and people didn't know it stood for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange, but that's totally what it stood for. That's hilarious. Um, they got hacked and pretty much all of the money that people had deposited into their system was stolen. Awesome. And it was just gone because it's yeah, cryptocurrency. No, there's no, it's, yeah, there's no insurance. There's, there's no, no take backs. There's no, no insurance. There's no call my bank and have them reverse the transaction. There, you can't reverse transactions. It's, it's just bye-bye money. So if you have your money in one of these exchanges, you had better trust them a lot. <laughs> especially if you have a lot of money yikes because it is if they get hacked your money is bye-bye it's all gone so and that has happened numerous times in the history of bitcoin which is another reason why i'm not stupid me i probably should have ridden the stupid ridden the greater fool um speculation i never thought it would go this high but 
pretty awesome. Yeah, you, you totally could um, have mined these in the early days, like with your ability. I did. I knew about this in 2009. I saw it on some articles. And I was like, that's interesting. And just you know, went on with life. Because it and seems crazy. That's when Bitcoins, well, Bitcoins were like a penny each then. <laughs> yeah. And it seems crazy. Like who's going to do this? Who's going to care about this thing that is just kind of made up? Mm-hmm. I mean, conceptually. So, so this is where we get into kind of some of the movement ideas with Bitcoin. The, so th- they built a movement around it, which is another reason why it's been so successful. So there's this whole anti-government kind of anti-authority movement associated with Bitcoin as well. Cause it's a, it is not a national fiat, right? So it is not a U.S. dollar or a Chinese yen. It is, it is a international non-associated money that is ungoverned. So there is no Fed for Bitcoin. There is no, you know, manipulation. There, it, it, it is what it is, right? Uh, so it, people really bought into that and they liked that as kind of a, almost like an anti-nationalist kind of agenda, but also just a freedom agenda of it. It's, it's my currency and you can't devalue it by, you know, turning the money printer on and you can't, do whatever and it's inherently going to come worth more because only 21 million ever right so there was a lot of um that kind of stuff to it and then you have the kind of the reality of it now which bitcoin is also highly used in black market systems um i think pretty much every um one of the biggest uh scams out there right now is something called uh i think it's crypto jacking is the term it's basically where hackers run a virus on your computer that encrypts your hard drive. And then they say, hey, transfer this much Bitcoin to this address and I'll unencrypt your hard drive for you. That is by far the most common virus scam out there right now. Um, If that happens to you, I'm sorry. I would recommend not paying the scammers and hopefully losing all your pictures on your hard drive, you have a backup. So this is, everyone should have their hard drives backed up, just kind of a little caveat here. If you if you have something in your hard drive that you're worried about losing, even if you don't get hacked, your hard drives crash all, all day long. So if you don't want to lose all your family photos and the only copy of them you have is on your one hard drive, get a backup. Good, um, good advice. Super good advice. Um, so that's critically, even if you're worried about these hacking, but if your computer's going to get hacked right now, if you download... Uh, the one time I've gotten hacked in my life was uh, in college. Someone sent me an email. It's like, funny South Park video. And I'm like, okay. And I clicked on it and it didn't play. And then I said, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if a software engineer can get hacked, any of us can. So so here's then the question. like, it, Because you're transferring into someone's Bitcoin account, let's say you, this happened to you and you decided to pay the money. Isn't that then traceable okay. and then and then enforceable? Because now you've got an account number. Or a user ID. You have or an account number, but you don't have a name. It's effectively an account number. So you have no idea where who ha, who owns that account or where which hard drive is stored on, who, what address it's at. All you know because is that it's this on a hard number drive. now There's has no, like, access to these bitcoins. Because it's on a hard drive. There's no like personal information, no bank, no like social security numbers, no not like you would go to like a regular bank. No, and, I mean as soon as you as soon as you use one of these online exchanges like a Coinbase or something, now they have your contact information so they have that association between this account number is owned by me but if i go on right now and i say generate new bitcoin account and i just do it on my local hard drive and now i've got a bitcoin wallet um you can get fingerprinted other ways like you'd have to be really careful not to get tagged somewhere on the internet doing anything really but at some point you got to say hey i want to make this transaction and i want to buy some bitcoins from somebody and get them transferred into that wallet for the hacker, they just created this account, and then they tell Artie, who I hacked, hey, Artie, to get your account unlocked, put it into this account, transfer some Bitcoin to this account number, and I can check the ledger. Oh, it did get transaction on there, so now I'm good. It is it is fairly anonymous. It would take wow. some effort to associate a person with, with the account numbers. So that's why um, selling drugs, all kinds of black market type stuff, they are big fans of Bitcoin. It is... One and also like it's that's that's a nefarious custom use of Bitcoin. A non-nefarious use would be something like it's basically a global Western Union. Like I can transfer Bitcoins to anyone in the world, and then they can deal with changing the doing the exchange to whatever their local currency is. So it's kind of like a universal Western Union, is where I would put it. And and that's 
that's something that's actually could be really useful for the world, especially for comp- countries that don't have good banking systems and they don't have good um, ways of transferring money like to their family when they, when they need to. Um, it actually does solve a real problem there. So there is some promise with that, but in general, it's used for more anonymous transactions, more black market type stuff. Awesome. That's what we, that's what we need in this world is more. That's what we need to be spending a ton of electricity, (laughs) 63 gigawatts of electricity per year. Jeez. And that was last year. It's probably more than that now. So what's the, what about all these other ones, right? So we talked a lot about Bitcoin and you said these, there's all these other ones that are all a little different, like. Are we going to see just kind of one become the front runner and, and that's going to be the the go-to crypto or is this going to be, there's going to be a million options and it's going to be like choosing a, your favorite car brand or whatever. So there's, there are some novel ones. Um, like I said, Dogecoin is a lot like Bitcoin, except it doesn't have a, a limit. It doesn't have the 21 million cap. It's still doing what's called proof of work, which is solving this complex math problem that I explained earlier. Um, it's, it's got a funny logo. I don't know. People people are interested in it largely just because it's fun, right? It's and like Elon Musk. Race they've got all kinds of like, they people make constant memes about it. Like, oh, so such currency. Oh wow! I mean, if you just to the moon, it's just it's fun. People people like Dogecoin, and Elon talked about it, which is like a couple weeks ago, which is the main reason it's it's ballooning right now. Um, just because it got got it got noticed. That's again, it's 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 a. It's a sea of competition of attention, just just like anything, just like news, just like marketing, just like products. Um, so in in the sea of Bitcoin type things, can you get attention and can you get people to purchase it and cause positive virtuous cycles? Um, the one other Bitcoin which I think is really interesting is something called Ethereum. Ethereum has evolved, so they keep changing the design with time and it's just been designed to allow that. It has a couple unique features. One is um, they just transferred, they just did this in the past year or so. They transferred from proof of work, which is the complex math, math problem, to proof of stake. Proof of stake, I don't 100% understand, but it's basically a different algorithm where you have to do amount of work that corresponds to the amount of ownership of Ethereum that you have. So if I own 20% of the world's Ethereum, I need to be doing 20% of the work to make the network work. And that strategy, it's, it's much more fair. So it's like the people who are buying in have to kind of contribute back in that fashion. Um, but it also keeps from this kind of wasted ton. It, it's, it doesn't have this whole, everybody's trying to guess this random number kind of waste electricity like crazy, get harder as more people play the game kind of aspect. It doesn't have that at all. It's more of, for me to play the game and own this much big, or Ethereum, I've got to, kind of use this, this much energy, which is way less. It's, it's like super sub fractions of the required proof of work that Bitcoin requires. So it's a much more efficient system. I think, so I think it's got legs in the future because just proven that design improvement, um, it could actually live. Yeah. The other concept we're talking with about Ethereum, this, it, I mean, we, we already have like a power shortage. Like we've got power electricity creation problems in our country, which is why you see, you know, windmills going up all over the place, which is why, you know, there's a, a ton of money being invested into like lithium and lithium mines. And, you know, r- right now we have an, an energy shortage, right? And so the fact that Bitcoin is adding not only part of the problem, but is exponentially adding to the problem. It seems like that, I don't know, it almost, it, 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 what's interesting, no one knows about this, right? No one talks about this. I, this is the first yeah. I'm hearing about this. Right. And so it could all of a sudden very quickly get like this, like green, green energy type, you know, anti response. And then all of a sudden Bitcoin's Bitcoin's gone tomorrow. Right. Because as we've well, seen so this recently is... in our country, it just takes one little movement or one person to be pissed off and the whole oh, world and gets bubbles, pissed off. Bubbles pop way faster than they go up too. Right. So my prediction of how this does pop is some government decides they don't like 20 percent of their nation's energy being spent on Bitcoin mining. And then they're just going to say, no, Bitcoin mining is illegal. And then, bam, they restore that much energy to their country and Bitcoin loses a ton of value. right? Or they just decide that we don't like this being used for black market transactions, Bitcoin's illegal. So there's all these potential Bitcoin is illegal kind of stuff that could happen in various countries around the world that I suspect that is what's going to kill it at some point. 
but I don't know for sure. That would just be my speculation. Interesting. Yeah. So back to Ethereum. Ethereum, I think, is a much better design. Um, it also has a concept that, again, I need to look into more, but it has this kind of virtual contract concept. So you're not just storing transactions on their blockchain. You can also store contracts. And the contracts can somehow also be enforced by code. So I think you can actually put some kind of like code onto the blockchain that can react to things. Um, I'm not going to talk about this because I'm totally ignorant on it. But basically, they have a contract concept to where you could store digital contracts on the blockchain. And besides just transacting coins, you can also kind of make legal agreements on the blockchain as well. Interesting. So there's there's some, a lot of interesting concepts associated with Ethereum. I think if I was going to buy one right now, that's what I would buy. Okay. Is that one um, is that one able to be traded, or is it simply you have to do the work? No, it is. The thing is, it's it's mooned. It's like at least doubled this year as well to two thousand something. Now it was less than a thousand at the beginning of the year. So it, these are the, all these things are still the prices are still going crazy, and so it's very. I don't know. Risky. It's, I wouldn't risk a ton of money. Yep. Man, I mean, after talking about it, like, I don't feel like my opinion has changed a whole lot. That it's just super confusing and like play online monopoly money. And I mean, it there there are some risky. interesting aspects. It it does have value because a lot of value went into creation. A lot of money was spent on electricity to create these. Pretty similar amounts to the cost because. If it wasn't people, everyone would do it. And it's designed to make the cost of creating Bitcoin about the cost of a Bitcoin. Got so it. that's by design. So inherently it costs a lot of money to create them. So they keep gaining in value. So they are scarce. Um, and they do cost money to make. And so it's just kind of, if you think, if you, if you imagine it's something you could hold, there's only 21 million of these, um, if you care, then that's a limited asset. There's way more than 21 million people. Now they are divisible. So you can, it, it just like a dollar is divisible. Bitcoins are divisible. So you can have fractional Bitcoins down to some pretty small fractions. And I said that minimum fraction is called the Satoshi. Um, but they, they do divide down to quite a bit to fractional values. So it's not just, there's, there's not really, the 21 million isn't really a problem because there's lots of Satoshis, the little fractional Bitcoins. So it's not like only 21 million people can even possibly own a Bitcoin. You, yeah. Everyone could own Bitcoins. It's just fractional Bitcoins. What, what, what blows my mind, though, as an entrepreneur, right, this thing was started. No one knows who actually created this thing. Like, how did this thing come from concept to, to what it is now? Like with, like, with no point person, no person to talk about it. No one to, like, be like, here's my product. Like, here's my idea. Like, just, how did this? It was an o o open source code product. Um blog people's talking about this is interesting it's a cool use of cryptography the whole blockchain concept was brand new very very exciting um having this kind of online and it's a distributed ledger like everyone has a copy so it's not like the, the the bank owns the ledger of all the transactions that have ever happened it's everyone does everyone who's a bitcoin miner has the list of every transaction ever so you can't hack that right i mean i i can hack a bank but i can't hack a million different people and change their ledgers to say that whatever happened right they're gonna say nope you're you've been hacked you just get kicked out of the thing until you fix it and then you can come back when you get the ledger that's not hacked um so it, i mean it's a cool it's a, there's some really cool uh like scientific technical design into the whole blockchain concept and into the whole distributed network and the mining and the scarcity and the transaction fees i mean there's a lot to it it's very interesting so they got a they just got a lot of interest from people talking about it and everyone anyone could join you could just download the source code and run it and now you're a miner right at the beginning you could run it on your little computer right and then you could run it if you had an nvidia gpu but now and it's again it's like you missed the boat all that's gone to, to have any chance now you have to have these dedicated machines um and you have to have cheap electricity and so that, that unfortunately, just like many things, by the time the world notices the opportunity, the opportunity is actually already over. Yep. 
So is there any, just out of curiosity, like you mentioned all these cool developments and cool kind of techno technological advances that kind of made this happen. Is there good application for these advances outside of Bitcoin? Like is there, or outside of any cryptocurrency, is there, is there like things we're going to see down the road or things that are currently happening that kind of resulted from this like blockchain technology or, you know, crypto type technology? So the one thing that I've personally thought about is, is still this, this contract concept. Like you could, by putting something on a blockchain, you basically are creating a public, some kind of public information that is guaranteed not to be corrupted or um, not to be, you know, tampered with. It's like tamper-proof public information. So you could have a blockchain and publish contracts, or one example, um, kind of like proof of ownership of real stuff. Um, th that's a concept that's coming out right now that somebody... There's this, I'm going to have to look it up. It's like this art, this piece of digital art sold for $69 million. Oh, I saw this. Yes, I saw this. Right? And the way that that worked is they basically claimed ownership on a blockchain. And so the blockchain says that they are the owner of that digital piece of art. Again, insanity. No piece of art worth $69 million, especially a digital piece of art. Um, but... It was a very unique combination of these technologies as a proof of ownership using blockchain technology. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I, I was blown away because I'm like, it's 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 like digital art and it's like photos, it's like videos, it's it's a photo it was a photo mosaic. Like those have been around forever. I had like a poster of that in high school. Yeah. Of, remember, of the magic, remember, remember the magic like, eyes? Well, like, it's, it's it's like Magic Eyes, <laughs> photo mosaics, right? It's, it's, it was about the same time as Magic Eye was was coming out. Is when these things were being made too. Yeah, but like, there's been like a bunch of Hubble imagery that's made of these. I had I had one of those posters. It was like it was like a Hubble galaxy that was made up of a bunch of little Hubble pictures Ooh. in a mosaic. So it was like Fancy. it was like I loved it. It was like awesome poster. It was awesome poster. But that was like thirty years ago, twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, and someone did that recently and sold it for $69 million. I don't know. A lot of this stuff, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on that one. It, 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 I would no digital art, especially a photo mosaic was worth $69 million. But. No, but that, that's becoming <laughs> trendy now. Like it, it's stuff. And I can't remember that. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember the name of the, the company that's kind of facilitating all this, but, um, it I mean, it, it, I don't see that one going away because now every artist under the sun can create stuff online and now have a place to sell it. Um, and then obviously what they're doing is they're selling the, the, the entire rights to it. Um, that's essentially what you're buying. Um, right. but I, with all these artists out there in the world, like I can't imagine them not just flooding the marketplace of this. And then of course there will be buyers who are interested in it. Right. I, I don't think we'll see a ton yeah. of like these $60 million purchases all over the place, but we'll see probably a lot of hundred, two hundred dollar purchases, $250 purchases. Sure. So, so, so in that case, it's kind of a way of exchanging copyright, right? And it's a very public way. It's, it's a public ledger. It's a public um, government documents bureau or whatever. I can publicly say I transfer ownership of this thing to this person, right? So that, and that's everybody it's, it's has record of it. And the whole world has record of it. And it's untamperable. Right, you cannot because uh, everybody has copies of the whole ledger. You can't tamper with it. So, there are some cool concepts. It's just very, it's very inefficient because everybody has copies. Right, it's much more efficient to have one server having one copy. Yeah. Right, and doing all the work. That's that's obviously way more efficient. So it's super inefficient. These whole designs are insanely inefficient, but they're public and they're distributed, so they can't be destroyed, um, and they can't be tampered with. So. So that's the cost of undestroyable, untamperable with is highly inefficient. Hmm. Yeah, when I saw this art thing, I did not realize that was blockchain and that's how they were doing it. It makes, makes a lot of sense now. And, and this whole, you know, the, the ability to essentially copyright and it be public is really interesting. I, I can see where that's going to have um, some play down the road. And I can see too how, the, you know, this is new technology. I imagine it's going to get very efficient very quickly as we kind of progress in time and well, technology. Well, and again, I think if you want, if you want my forecast, the, the, real, the real uniqueness of this is that it's international. Like all these things are international registries, international ledgers. It's not, so basically you could create a world copyright organization. Effectively, that's what they're doing with these digital yeah. arts, 
right? And it's a world registry of copyrights. Hmm. Uh, is this the path to one world government? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we know that's where we've been headed for a while, and it seems like the pieces are in play, that's for sure. So it's, it, there's, there's a lot of social interesting features that will come from this block. I think Bitcoin will eventually implode just because of the, the built-in limits and the ridiculous design that uses way too much electricity. But it's going to repla- be replaced by other coins like this proof of stake with something like Ethereum to where they actually aren't wasting a ridiculous amount of electricity and you're getting pretty much the same benefits as you got with Bitcoin. Got it. Wow. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I came in as just thinking it was fake monopoly money. I still kind of think that, but I think there's there's some interesting aspects to it that I wasn't aware of. So thanks for it. Real money was spent to print it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense now. So, But you could just like build a solar farm outside my window here, and now it's, other than the cost of hardware, it's free. Well, I can I can build a big pile of junk in my backyard, and it costs me money to build, but no one wants it. That's true. <laughs> So just because things cost money doesn't to build doesn't mean that they are actually worth anything. Correct. You can waste a lot of time building something garbage. So sum it up, Ryan. Cryptocurrency. Sum it up. Cryptocurrency is a really interesting combination of features of scarcity, of technology interest, of freedom, of kind of international transactions without any government entity, really any entity involved. Um, there's a lot of social economic concepts involved in cryptocurrencies. They're very interesting. I think the pricing has always been a speculative bubble. So, um, I mean, there's money to be made as long as you're not the greater fool. So I'll leave it as that. Don't, uh, if you want to take that risk, you go, but, um, don't get caught holding the bag. I like that. Don't, don't be the greater fool. And and that's honestly, that's why it's kind of my personal policy not to invest in things I don't understand, which is why I don't currently invest in cryptocurrency. And even after this, but, I'm, I'm personally, but not now, so to. now you do understand. So now you're going to, no, 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 no. I, now, now <laughs> I, I've seen too much behind the curtain now. Um, it just doesn't sound like a good bet for me because honestly, I'm the type of person as we've talked about in this podcast before, I'm not the early adopter, right? So that swing's going to happen and I'm just gonna be sitting there going do do cause I'm not paying attention to it. Um, cause that's not my thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to miss yeah, the boat. I've, I've taken this as that I've, I missed this boat, but, uh, yep. so I'm, I'm looking for the new boat. I like that. Let's look for the new boat. So don't, there you go. Sum it up. Don't be the greater fool. Don't invest in things you don't understand. And let's look for the newer boat. I love it. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next time on into the quagmire. Thanks everybody.